Welcome to the Otherworldly Oracle official podcast. We are your hosts, Alora and Kitty. And the Samhain slash Beltane season is upon us. Samhain in the Northern Hemisphere approaches in October and Beltane in the Southern Hemisphere. Both of these Sabbaths are high holy days in Celtic tradition and are sacred to the Fae. So in light of these pagan holidays, we are traveling to the land of the Shi and respectfully exploring the nature of the Banshee and a few of the Celtic fairy queens. We will tell some of their stories and discuss connections between these elementals and Celtic deities. It's going to be a fairy-filled hour, so grab your cuppa and settle in. Kitty, kitty, yeah. kitty, meow, meow. <laughs> Are you excited about this episode? I am. Yes, I feel like it's appropriate for the season, right? Yes, and being that two of my matron deities have been fairy queens, I can happily say that I'm excited. Good. I'm glad to hear that. It feels like the perfect season to talk about all things Fae, don't you think? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And what better way to do this than to discuss the Banshee? She just screams Samhain. (laughs) Get it? (laughs) Uh, Okay, so Kitty, tell us, who is the Banshee and where does she come from? Okay, so the Banshee is a figure in Celtic mythology that plays an important role. She's found throughout the Celtic lands, including, and mainly I would say Ireland, Scotland, Wales, Cornwall, but she's also found in other aspects on continental Europe. Probably the most prevalent in Ireland though. And Mm. her name, the Banshee, means woman of the fairy mound anybody's heard the word she before we've said it before it actually translates to hill or mound and Mm. so in scotland she's known as the contiac i think i'm pronouncing that right if not forgive me in ireland the she were the people of the hills also called the the good folks so she um she the band she is a part (laughs) of the good folk which is kind of funny because a lot of people see her as something that's not good, right? Something that's right. not even necessarily liminal. A lot of people find the Banshee to be a negative or malevolent, you know, otherworldly being. But I think she's more complex than that. And we're going to get more into that soon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think... I think the original, not original purpose, but I think the actual purpose of a banshee is misunderstood. Yeah, I agree. Um, So do you, I mean, honestly, she's been, I think, you know, demonized and 
demoted oh yes girl over the centuries just like pretty much every other fairy being or elemental i my first introduction to banshees was (laughs) was in a disney movie called darby o'gill and the little people and let me tell you this what nope what darby o'gill and the little people Yes, girl. It was one of my favorites as a kid. Um, it's a nineties movie. Oh, probably eighties. Okay, I have to look up. I have to look that up. Um, but well, it's basically a story about a, a leprechaun. But well, um, but there's a, about in our last episode. I feel like if we had time. <laughs> oh, well, but in the movie there is a banshee that comes and yeah, a wailing banshee. And so after that movie and being so little, I think I was only like, I don't know, four or five. It scared the bejesus out of me. Yeah, I guess so. (laughs) Yeah. And as Alora was saying, the banshee is well-known in Ireland and parts of Scotland, mostly for her, what's called keening. It's a wailing scream. Mm. which is usually heard before someone dies. And I always found this part interesting. In old Irish lore, this is typically a member of one of the oldest Irish families. Mm. And as Alora was saying too, when the banshee scream is heard, it is truly terrifying. And I think people still in those countries, and even if you know about her here, you, you definitely do not want to hear the banshee's whale or keening and people still people still fear it excuse me yeah and i think something else that goes along with that is um keening is actually something that was uh not revered but something that was like honorary like like the morning yeah, you wanted people to to be keening for a loved one. Yeah, and you know what? I think that there are it's still a cultural difference. Like I've seen some people from other cultures when their family member di- like died in the hospital, the women mm. would be extremely loud, you know, about yep. their crying, and I guess that's what you would consider keening. And to the point where some of the people in the hospital are like, what are they doing? You know, and kind of being judgmental, but it's like, you know, that's their way of showing respect and how much they love that person. Right. Yeah. So that's a good point. That's really interesting when you think about that. Yeah. And I was going to say, we can do a whole episode about (laughs) basically how we've been repressed in our emotional selves Mm -hmm. (laughs) in modern in modern culture that you know now to do things like that is considered being dramatic that's true yeah exactly which is sad okay so uh tell us about the banshee washing bloody clothing because that's kind of eerie (laughs) (laughs) definitely so in addition to the keening that may be heard another common manifestation of the banshee is that she's seen washing bloody clothing in the river which Mm. also gained her a few other names 
She's also known as the washer at the Fords or the washer at the banks. And when she's a washer at the Fords, in this form, she's also known as the ban nigh or the ban knee. Um, I'm not, I should have looked up what that actually means, but I did not. Sorry, folks. <laughs> Something mm -hmm. for you to Google. This, <laughs> this aspect of hers, though, is it, it's actually her warning um, someone of imminent death because usually the clothing, the clothing that she's washing in the river is the eyewitnessing person's death shroud or sometimes what they were wearing in battle. Right. So I think it's kind of like, she's not only, it's like, she's, yes, she's an omen. She's bringing, you know, warnings of death, but it's also like, she's, she's sad, right? When that person dies and that's what the keening is all about, right? Right, yes. Which makes, that's why she's attached to certain families. Yeah. And really you know, cool. what's funny is I had heard washer at the Fords, but it wasn't until I actually looked into Banshee specifically that I learned that they were the same thing. And I was like, oh, oh, don't you like how that happens though? Sometimes you're like, let me look this up. And then you realize it's, you know, something else you already knew about. I've had that happen. Mm -hmm. It's cool. I like that. <laughs> yeah. So, so what does, what, what does this Banshee look like? Do we know? Well, I'm sure people could imagine what she looks like, but there there's, she's also kind of a shapeshifter. So she takes on different manifestations. Of course, she's often described as an old hag surrounded by an eerie mist. She either wears a long white or green gown, sometimes mm -hmm. with a hood, and sometimes she has long stringy hair. She, typically the form will change depending on the region, which to me points to the fact that she's one of many. So there's right. some legends that say, you know, there's multiple banshees, but there's other people or, or legends that will say there's one, right? I think there's many. Yeah, I think so, so too. Yeah. Um, so in County Mayo, Ireland, she wears black while in County Donegal, she wears the green robe. Hmm. And in other tales, she can manifest as a beautiful noble woman. Um, and two, interestingly, in Wales, their version of the Banshee, they say they can hear her beating her wings against the window, which points to a link with the Morrigan, the Celtic goddess of war. More on that shortly. And interestingly, too, banshees are frequently heard and seen in the wintertime. I'm hmm. sure they can be heard and seen year round, but a lot of the old stories link the banshee to the winter season, which is a time of earthly death, right? Right. Yeah. So I haven't. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I haven't known anyone personally to see a banshee or hear a banshee no at least not in my <laughs> lifetime no 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 me neither i mean it's something that's very prevalent still though in society most people even if you know nothing about the fae nothing about magic you could ask them or you could say you know the banshees wail or the banshees scream and they kind of have an understanding of what you're talking about mm, true you know yes so 
going to Scotland, there are some similar beings called the Bayavon Seath, Bayavon She, excuse me, whose name also means fairy woman. Yet hmm. this version of the Banshee is supposedly even more dangerous than their Irish counterpart in later folklore. They actually bring death and are a type of vampire. Yeah, I was going to say, I thought these guys were vampires more than banshees. Well, they're they're linked to the banshee because of, I guess, because of the death thing and because they're part of the she. Hmm. I'm sure there's other reasons, but. Well, I maintain that vampires are really elementals. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah, we <laughs> had that conversation in, a, was it season two in the fairy realm? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think we did. Mm -hmm. There's another one called the Leanne and she that I don't think she sucks blood, but she supposedly like sucks the soul out of people. That's more succubus. Huh? That's more succubus. Yeah, but there's also vampires that will suck the energy out of people. True. We should have an episode on vampires, but anyway, moving on. Okay. <laughs> write that down because that's that would be i feel like vampires are very complex um beings as well okay, okay so moving on very women vampire <laughs> people what what i found really interesting is that they're closely related to deer huh. so when they the tales say that when they manifest they often appear as beautiful women dressed in green and they dance in the moonlight they seduce men and then drain them of their blood and their feet are what typically gives them away. They always have deer hooves or cloven hooves or whatever you call them. Mm. Mm -hmm. So there's some theories out there that they were, might have originally been like a forest goddess or a, a forest elemental more so than, you know, the ugly form that they've taken over the centuries which right. we, can, we can, again, we can relate that a lot back to the rise of Christianity. Oh, yeah, because- Trying to discourage people from honoring the Fae. <laughs> yeah, because anything that has hooves is, you know, linked with the devil. Oh, yes. Hooves uh, bad, hooves bad, wings good. I don't know. <laughs> okay. What do you, so I want to hear more about what, are you on the same track as me when you believe the Banshee is purely elemental? Because there's a lot of people that will say that she's a ghost. Mm. So, no, I don't think that she's a ghost. Yeah, I don't either. I, 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 I personally don't. Yeah. Right? It's in her name, but she's a fae. Yeah, no. I mean, I personally don't don't think that she's a spirit or a ghost. Um, but I will say that the portrayals of the banshee always, well, at least in my experience, always make her look like a ghost. <laughs> I'm just For like, sure. What are they doing? Yeah. I think too it's kind of interesting the more you read old like irish lore about the fae a lot a lot of them actually 
I just want to say, I guess the lines are blurred. So there's a lot of Fae that kind of manifest in a ghostly fashion. And then there's also some ghosts that share kind of Fae-like qualities. So while one could be one and not the other, you know what I mean? Is sometimes the lines are a little blurred and we're not quite sure. So that's just something to, to ponder, I guess. I agree. Yeah. Right on. Cool. <laughs> so the Banshee is the Banshee a specific fey being or is the Banshee tied to goddesses specifically? Like, how does that work? Because like, for instance, like in Norse mythology, you've got the Valkyrie who work for or with uh, the goddess Freya? Well, um, so there are certain goddesses and that are also considered fairy queens that are also considered queen of the, like queens of the banshees. So I think that it all, yeah, again, the lines are very blurry. (laughs) Uh, This is why paganism is so hard. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's not easy. I mean, and like I said, the more you read, you think you're going to clarify on these things. And the more you read, the more it can get complex, right? I don't want to say confusing, but if you're new to all this, it can get confusing, right? Oh, yeah. Because when, when I came along and Anya was my first matron goddess, I was so confused that at one point I literally had to draw out her family tree just to understand like who was who. Yeah, I could see that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, and there is a specific goddess that, well, two, there's actually the Morrigan that I kind of mentioned before that in, I believe it's in the Ulster cycle, but I think we're, we'll get into that a little bit more, but she can manifest as a banshee and so does Kleena. Hmm. which are both considered goddesses so yeah oh before we get off the banshee topic i just want to talk about some of the old irish families that the banshee is supposed to be attached to because if someone's listening and they have one of these names in their family trees they can be extra scared i'm just kidding (laughs) Mm. just kidding don't be extra scared anyway so the old Irish families of Milesian descent are said to have a banshee attached to them. So according to, to tradition, she only cries for five particular families, which are the O'Connors, O'Briens, O'Neills, O'Grady's, and the Cavanaugh's. So, and I had a funny story about this too. I had a coworker with, with one of these last names. His family was really into their Irish heritage, but he always kind of made fun of the idea that they believed in the Fae. So one day we were talking about the story of the Banshee and he had said that that was the one thing that really creeped him out in the old Irish lore. And I actually told him that, you know, his family is one of the old families that she will cry for. (laughs) He He probably needed some toilet paper after that one. Uh, Yeah, he (laughs) he, I didn't expect him to be so shocked, but he, yeah, it kind of freaked him out a little bit, but um, I have a question. So uh, go back a second. Malaysian okay. descent. What mm-hmm. does that mean? 
Okay, so from what I understand, remember from Irish mythology, the Milesians has something to do with after the Tuatha um, like went underground or were defeated by the Fomorians. The it's, Milesians came to Ireland after that. So it was like the first race of human beings that, um, you know, crossed the sea and settled in Ireland after the God Wars, do we want to call them? <laughs> right. So, okay. Is that, so, is that well, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking about this. And I'm looking at these names and I'm thinking, so for instance, my family I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly, descends from the O'Neills. We are not O'Neills, but our family came out of the O'Neills. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, and I'm pretty sure like a vast majority of Irish families can trace their family far back enough to one of these families. Mm -hmm. So are we talking, you have to be like direct, like, does the Banshee only wail for like somebody who is directly an O'Neill or an O'Grady or an O'Brien or yeah. is the Banshee connected to all of their descendants? From what I understand, and this isn't to like, you know, downplay anyone's heritage or anything, but from what I understand, it's supposed to be a direct descent. So if you still oh, carry that name, wait, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I said it before. Yeah. Your ancestors, if your ancestors had the name, but from, like I said, from what I understand, it's like, if you are an O'Connor or if you are an O'Grady in name, even because that would be right. a lot well, of people to have like a Banshee assigned to them, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> and yeah. Well, thank you. I can breathe a little bit of a sigh of relief. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. I was like, wait a second. <laughs> yeah. We need to, You're like, we need to discuss well, let's revisit this concept. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's take a journey to the land of the fairy queens. Seemingly a little more lighthearted. Maybe. Uh, well, <laughs> sort of. <laughs> Hang on. You sound like you're in a tunnel. Can you hear me now? Yes. Okay. Okay. Sorry. That's okay. Okay. What is a fairy queen in Celtic mythology? I mean, I feel like it's pretty obvious, but I will spell it out a little bit for everybody. A fairy queen is a leader or queen of a troop of fairies in mostly later Celtic mythology. Prior to being fairy queens, these beings were part of the Tuatha de Danann, or the people of Danu, which were originally Celtic deities before the rise of the church, as we mentioned before. After the rise of the church, they were sort of demoted, yet still considered some kind of, you know, being, like they weren't completely forgotten, but they were turned into the she or the good folk, at least as far as what we know from the tales. Okay. Go ahead. Hold on. I'm going to interrupt you for a second. Um, a while back, I actually watched an Irish, um, it was an Irish movie about, about the, the Fae. 
And in that movie, I mean, all the actors were Irish, um, et cetera. And the way that they pronounced Tuatha de Danan was Tua de Danan. So I don't, I don't think that you pronounce the TH in that. Oh, listen to you getting all up on your pronunciation of Celtic words. And look, no, I'm not all up on my pronunciation. It's just the one phrase that I've seen Irish people pronounce. <laughs> you know what? In the next episode, I'm going to throw a bunch of Celtic words in there that you're going to have to pronounce all in a row. Thanks. Tua de de Danan. Is that better? Tua de Danan. Yeah. That's well, that's how they said it. So I'm I'm going with them. Tua de Danan. There you go. Okay. Okay. So okay, continue. Hash that out. What now? (laughs) I said, okay, continue. Okay. So post Christianity. The Celtic gods were sometimes classified as saints. One of the more obvious ones being Breed or Bridget, however you think Mm. of her, while others became fairy queens. So Mm. in Judica Isles um, Encyclopedia of Spirits, which I love that book as a reference, she surmises that these beings may have been harder to tame and thereby weren't canonized, but kept their elemental form. Perhaps they were a bit wilder than the others and sought to keep their devotees and traditions similar to the Arishas becoming Santeria saints, which I thought was interesting. Hmm. Yes. So some of them could be absorbed, right? And used by the church as a saint or otherwise, while others, they couldn't quite tame so they either try to scare people away from being devoted to them or you know demote them so to speak yeah so i mean go ahead yeah well i'm just thinking about it and i'm like it kind of makes sense but then the other part of me is like well Christianity is very patriarchal. <laughs> so putting a bunch of female saints and I, I don't know, it just doesn't seem like it would fit with the narrative to add a lot of powerful fe- feminine female figures. Well, there's plenty of female saints though. Yeah, but think about if they if they had added oh, or absorbed oh, saying if I got you. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like yeah, if they had absorbed all of the fairy queens and all of the, you know, it would that it would have been heavily feminized. For sure. Yeah. Like Saint Morgan Le Fay or something that probably wouldn't have worked out real well. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Right. Agreed. And sometimes I think that the, that breed as a goddess and as part of the Tua de Danan, I said it right. Yeah. I think her story is a little more complex because I actually do believe there might have been a woman who, you know, lived a human life and Mm. they kind of 
mesh them together. You know what I mean? So I don't yes. know. I think that's a complex story as well, but oh yeah, more to it than what we will ever know with this stuff. I mean, we can, yeah, totally we can agree. Dream it up and read about it and try to remember if we lived those lives, you know, but it's, yeah. Let's yeah. face it. This was not in our lifetime. So <laughs> this lifetime at least. So do you think that these fairy queens were once goddesses or do you think that they're still deities in their own right? I think, again, I just think like the lines are so blurry with this because to me, like elementals, especially leaders of the elementals are deities anyway. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Well, I'm 100% yeah, like, huh? yeah. yeah. Oh no, I'm, I'm a hundred percent with you on that. Yeah. Cause I've had two of them as matron deities for mm-hmm. me personally. Oh. So there's no doubt in my mind uh, yeah. like yeah. that they are deities, but they are also elementals. Yeah. Agreed. But I mean, I think that's like saying like, you know, I'm like, if I were queen or king, that that'd be the same as being like, okay, well, I'm American and I'm also king or queen. Does that make sense? Like, it's Mm. like their ethnicity and then their role job position. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Now, now that I've explained that really poorly, let's continue. No, I thought it was good. It was a good metaphor. Okay. Wait, so let's go. That's me. Uh, <laughs> just so, kidding. yeah. No, I, I thought I'm going to do this one. So, okay. So, Alora, how about you start us off with some of, or one of the, fairy queens that you might know personally and keep it for everyone listening, keeping in mind, there were fairy queens in nearly every old Celtic region, but again, particularly prevalent in Ireland and the British Isles as well. So Laura, want to go ahead and start us off? Yeah. So one of the fairy queens is Anya. Anya was the first deity I've ever worked with. She was also my first matron goddess. She is a goddess of love and fertility and wealth and summer and the sun and the moon. Um, she has her own, there's the hill of Nakanya. (laughs) I know it sounds funny when you say it, but That is, that is her, huh? I said, I like it. (laughs) Well, that is her hill. Um, and it's named for her. Um, and she has a couple of other namesakes, um, which I can't pronounce (laughs) and I'm not even going to try. Let's hear it. Yeah. No, (laughs) (laughs) but there are several, um, if you're interested, you can Google it. She is So I'm going to summarize her mythos as best as I can. Basically, uh, there was the king of the ruling king of Munster. He was advised by a druid to 
visit Nakanya uh, on Sao and Eve because it was known to be a healing place. So when he, so he, he went there hoping that all of his problems would be solved. And when he got there, um, basically he collided with the other world. Like he fell asleep on this mm-hmm. hill. Uh, and when he did, he encountered Anya Ooh. and he ended up, um, trying to force himself upon her and she was furious. And so in Mike Tyson fashion, she bit off his <laughs> ear <laughs> um, because the rule back then was if you were imperfect, you could not be king. And so he basically woke up maimed um, and therefore he could no longer be king. So even though she's the goddess of love and fertility and all those things, um, she don't play. <laughs> so so um, that's what, that's kind of one of the reasons why she is such a, well, I don't know that in modern witchcraft, she's extremely popular, but um, she was revered as one of the most powerful uh, fairy queens in Irish mythology. And I think it specifically relates to her, you know, f- like not going to take a man's crap attitude. <laughs> Yeah. I've definitely heard her name before. I don't know if it's just because it's been through you, but I know she's not super popular. Yeah. And I didn't even know who she was mm-hmm. when she first appeared on this, on my scene anyway. Right. Um, yeah. So very, yeah. very interesting. So- okay. So give us another one. Um, before I talk about the next one, I just wanted to say something I was thinking when you were talking about him sleeping on top of the hill and how that was her hill. I think it's interesting. And someone else, some other author talked about this before. I can't remember who it was, but there's a con- there's a link to between our ancient ancestors being buried, right? In mounds, as mm-hmm. well as the fae right living in the mounds and again there's going to be that crossover the lines kind of blur with that because a lot of the times in in ancient times um, people would go out and purposely try to stay awake on uh, you know the top of an ancestor's mound in order to receive a vision from them or see them so right. I just think it's cool too, because, oh, because also some of these fairy queens cross over into the world of being divine ancestors to us. So if, you know, if that didn't confuse our listeners, <laughs> um, I don't know what will. <laughs> <laughs> so the next one, let's talk about, and I don't really know much about her, but I think she sounds interesting, Fond. She is a sea goddess who is also considered a fairy queen on the Isle of Man. But I think it makes sense, right? Because most sea deities of old mythology are linked to the other world and therefore are also considered of, uh, you know, a water elemental nature. Mm. What were you going to say? Oh, nothing. I'm listening. Oh, I thought maybe you were about to say something. Nope. 
And on that note, do you, because this is actually goddess that I, that was my first matron goddess that I worked with, but I feel like because you're, you're currently working with her, you should speak on her. And that is Rhiannon. Yeah, I can, (laughs) I can totally talk about her. All right. All right. So Rhiannon, she is widely known as the goddess of horses, birds, moon goddess. She's also queen of the fairies. Um, so she's got a lot of roles. Okay. So transformation, there's a lot that she does. Um, she's often associated with the Gaulish horse goddess Epona and they are probably both derived from the ancient Celtic goddess Rigatona, um, whose name, (laughs) whose name means great queen. Uh, but this reminds me of Rigatoni. I know, (laughs) (laughs) but not much of, not much not much of Rigatona's mythology and stuff is known today um, because it, it it's lost. Um, That's a shame. So Rhiannon's mythology, I'll try to, again, summarize as best I can. Uh, but basically she started a journey to basically get a man that she desired. Right. So she thought up this, you know, the characteristics and whatever that she wanted in a man. Um, and so she wanted to manifest that man. So what ended up happening was, I can't even say his name. The dude. P-Y-W-L-L. Yeah. So cool. he chased cool. her. Huh? Pool. Pool? Probably not right. I'm just, I'm making it up. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> we don't know. So anyways, he chased her and no matter part of her mythology is, is that no matter how much he chased her, he couldn't catch her, even though her horse appeared to be moving very slowly. It was always going very fast, which is interesting. Um, so, so, and a lot of people that work with her will tell you that she's very aloof, um, and elusive. So there are times when people that work with her, and this is true for me as well, don't feel like she's around, but she oh, definitely is. Wow. Um, so this is Kleena too. It really? Oh yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. So finally old boy says, please, would you please stop? And she's like, well, since you asked, Okay. So she finally stopped. Um, so this guy, uh, she ends up telling him that she loves him and that her father wants her to get married. Um, and this guy is a King and his legitimacy as King is kind of in question. So in order to solidify his kinghood he has to get married so he ends up following her to the other world um and she promises that they're going to get married um but here he is tricked by gual i think that's his name 
um, into giving her to him. So yes. So Rayanna was just like, (laughs) (laughs) so Rayanna ends up using her magic to get rid of Gwal over here. And finally she can be with Pule or however we say his name. So they're married, but they must leave the world of the Fae and live in, in the world of mortals. I'm going to assume. So anyways, years pass, she ends up having a son and, um, she falls into a deep sleep and her son is stolen while she's sleeping. And when she wakes up, the baby is gone and the nursemaids have smeared puppy's blood on Rhiannon. Um, so she's accused of killing her own kid. So what ends up happening from that is she is her punishment is for seven years. She is to sleep by the gates of the kingdom and basically carry, you know, whoever comes into the kingdom, she has to carry them on her back and up the stairs of the kingdom to, um, pay her penance. So she does so without complaint. Um, she does so dutifully for seven years. And then, uh, one night the son is returned and she's exonerated and the King takes her back and it's like, nothing happened. Like, and the King never turned his back on her either. He always stood, stood by his wife. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure he did when she was riding people around like a freaking pony. <laughs> Doesn't seem like he was standing by her. Well, he still had to punish her. This sounds a little sadistic, if I'm being honest. <laughs> well, and it, but it's interesting though, because you know she endured, <laughs> she endured the punishment like, Right. So that's, that's some of the things. 50 shades of Rhiannon or is this just (laughs) (laughs) Welsh mythology? No, I'm just kidding. But no, it's, I feel like it is a really good story because I remember reading that when I was young and thinking, wow, this goddess, this woman is strong, you know? Right. Yes. There's some story, but it's good. Yeah. Like he never lost faith in her and she never lost faith in him. And she was taken from her husband. But then when, when she was exonerated, she was returned right back to him. And it was like, nothing ever happened. Hmm. Yeah. So, but she teaches sovereignty and well, she teaches sovereignty and endurance and forgiveness and, um, unconditional love. So these are, yeah, these are the things that, she teaches, but she's definitely a fairy queen. I may need more of her lessons because, yeah, not <laughs> you. Oh I'm sorry. That's really funny because I know you personally. <laughs> right. I know. You, you know, I complain. Like, if I don't like something, you're going to hear about it. <laughs> Inspiring story, truly, though, honestly. Okay. So tell us about Kleana. Okay, so I find it interesting that you said Rhiannon can be found to be a little elusive, you know, because right. Kleana is like that as well. 
she kind of comes and goes and I'm like, okay, did she, are we done? And then like, all of a sudden she's like, Hey, what's up? Like in a dream. And you're like, Oh, all right, there you are. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. I don't, I just wonder if that's their fae kind of nature too, you know? Hmm. So anyway, Glena um, is a regional and ancestral goddess in County Cork, Ireland. She is, as I said, a goddess that I'm currently working with in my practice, whenever she decides to be around, that is. And she has a long history in that region of Ireland. Her form has changed many times over the centuries. And it really, it comes down to even the family or even the individual, what they've heard about her. Like if you go to this region in Ireland and you talk to some of the older people, they will have different stories about her. And yeah, so over the centuries, she's been known as a goddess, but then again was demoted, so to speak, to a fairy queen. Originally, she was called Cleana the Fair-Headed because she's supposed to have a brilliantly beautiful blonde hair and was supposed to be one of the most beautiful women, women um, these mythical heroes had ever seen. And but again, like her, her manifestations and the way she comes to different people is very different. And she's also been known as a queen of the Banshees to tie it into our earlier uh, discussion. And also a witch and a siren in some of the tales. Mm. Mm -hmm. And she doesn't necessarily, no, oh, no, I almost misspoke. She does have her own mound in Cork but there's also a couple other places that are her sacred places. There's a rock in one of the lakes and then there's a, oh crud. There's something else that I was gonna tell you guys about and it completely just escaped my mind. Anyway, there's a couple places. Oh, right. There's a lake where they call, it's actually named after her. And they say that every ninth wave is her wave because mm. she was, her story goes that she fell in love with a mortal man, of course, and decided to leave the fairy world behind. And the fairy world wanted her back so badly that I believe it was Mananan, the sea god, who sent some of the fae to play sweet music for her. She fell asleep on the shoreline and then the ninth wave caught her and basically brought her back to the land of the fae. Hmm. Interesting. So, yeah. yeah, she's also like a goddess of love, music, birds, because she has three birds that sing healing songs. And I could go on and on about her. Pretty cool stuff. That's interesting because Rhiannon has birds, but they kill people. <laughs> they, they kill people. Oh, mm, cool. <laughs> well, they don't kill people, but they can they can literally sing someone into permanent slumber. So take, take that with what you will. Yeah. Interesting. Cause I believe that's a part of the way that Kleena's birds heal is that they provide rest. Interesting. I know. Okay. Okay. See so. how confusing this can be to like <laughs> research these guys because they're so similar. They are. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. The lines are very blurry, you know? And when I say ancestral goddess, I mean that there's some families in Cork, Ireland that claim descent from her. <laughs> right. 
So she's also, so she's not just a goddess and a fairy queen and a queen of the banshees and a witch and a siren, but she's also an ancestor to some people. So it's just everything basically. <laughs> but there's a lot of them that are like that. Almost all of them in Irish mythology are like that. Right. Yeah. Including the next one that we're going to talk about. And she is Queen Maeve. Yes. So also spelled M A E V E, but I think in Celtic or Irish, it's M E D B. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Queen Maeve is a figure in Celtic mythology, specifically in the Ulster cycle. Her name is equated to Mead and means she who intoxicates. She presents in the cycle as an evil queen who covets a magical bull and sends her men to war for it. She may have been the first, or may have been, oh, she may have first been a goddess mm-hmm. of the land or sovereignty who was demoted or demonized over time as the church infiltrated traditions. There is a queen Mabe in Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet, where she appears as the fairy's midwife mm-hmm. um, in the specific part of, of that um, play is oh then i oh i can read it oh go for it you gotta put a little shakespearean into it too okay 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 let me get my shakespeare (laughs) on okay oh then i see queen Maeve hath been with you she is the fairy's midwife and she comes in shape no bigger than an agate stone on the forefinger of an alderman drawn with a team of little atomies athwart men's noses as they lie asleep Her wagon spokes made of long spinner's legs, the cover of the wings of grasshoppers, the traces of the smallest spider web, the collars of the moonshine's watery beams. I suck at Shakespeare and that's the best I can do. And don't (laughs) yell at me. (laughs) No, you did good. I liked it. I give it, I give it five stars. And I think um, Queen Maeve actually, I saw something the other day where they're re-examining her her mythology and um like same same sort of thing about you know like de de demonizing her i guess right yeah because it's just like any powerful woman you know eventually became an evil queen that like you know seduced men and killed them and sucked their blood or whatever you know i'm exaggerating but essentially that's what some of these tales are like (laughs) Yes, agreed. Okay. So then last fairy queen slash goddess slash ancestor slash 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 that we're going to talk about <laughs> is Fleish. And it's actually spelled F-L-I-D-A-I-S. So you see what we're talking about when we stumble on some of the you know words. old Celtic Gaelic words. She is another of the Celtic fairy queens who is also an ancient Irish goddess of sovereignty, which a lot of them are. I mean, Queen Maeve is related to sovereignty as well as the Morrigan, as well as Cleana. So she is the maternal ancestor of the Corku Loida. And I'm probably murdering that that, um, (laughs) name, so forgive me. But this is a branch of Irish families from early medieval times that claim descent from her. 
She's closely related to cows, but also to deer because some believe the link, her link to cows actually comes from the term for deer in the fairy world because deer are actually called fairies cattle. So there's, you know, we're not quite sure if she's really related to cows or deer or both. She often manifests as a deer and also as a beautiful, fierce woman who protects the forest, hunters, and also her descendants, of course. Because of her more sexual nature, she may have been equated with the she post-church age, again, like we've been talking about, instead of being canonized, but, you know, this is all lecture, mm. right, on my end. Well, I'm just, like, as we've been talking about this, I've been sitting here making a mental note, and all of the fairy queens we've been talking about they all have sovereignty in common oh yeah and so I just got curious and did a quick search and Mm -hmm. because I can't remember off the top of my head and breed is also a goddess of sovereignty however um when she you know when Christianity came in and absorbed her as a saint Mm -hmm. her mythology was, uh, manipulated in such a way where, um, she's more known for being the goddess of smithing and healing and poetry and prophecy. Right. More than sovereignty. Right. They didn't want her to be associated with the union between King and the land. Right. Right. So isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. That is. <sighs> Down with the patriarchy. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> so, okay. I have an interesting question for you because, and I already know what I think, but do you, and this is appropriate for you because you do the soul origin profiling that we've talked about in the past. Yep. For our listeners, go back and listen to those if you're interested. But here's the question. Do you believe banshees? We'll start with, do you believe banshees may incarnate in human bodies? Yes, I do too. And I will just tell you that, um, very recently, I would say within the last six months, um, I've actually profiled a couple. No way. Yep. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. So, um, absolutely. And she's can incarnate as human beings that I have no reservation in saying. Okay. And then the, well, I have to ask it because it's part of the episode. Fairy Queens. Can they incarnate? Oh, look. So I think, (laughs) I think anything's possible. However, I have not come across one. And I would say that. Because I at mean, that point you're getting into people thinking that they're reincarnated goddesses, basically, I feel like. Yeah. Look, I'm not saying it can't happen, That's but I'm mean. saying it's highly, highly rare. You right. know what I mean? Like, I don't think that I will ever see one and B, I kind of want to lean towards almost no, because the nature of a lot of these fairy Queens is to be elusive, right. Mm-hmm. And aloof and 
kind of not um, corporeal. Right. You know what I mean? So I don't think that they could stay as hidden and, and come and go if they were in a human body. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So I'm definitely going to change my answer there. So I'm going to say no on the fairy Queens, but on the Banshees, I will say a resounding yes. And okay. Go ahead. And (laughs) people, I have found that people, I have found that incarnated Banshees or people who have had previous incarnations as Banshees, they typically have a very uh, macabre uh, sense of the world, I guess, and also are interested in things that are macabre, like the rest of the world considers macabre, which would be death um, and, and anything related to crossing over. They usually are surrounded, like typically they come in, con- you know, whoever they come in contact with. Um, they don't die if they come in contact with somebody, but they have an abnormally large number of people whom they come in contact with that pass away. Um, so it's just, I've known at least one person like that. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's really interesting. And, um, yeah, so they, they definitely have characteristics that make you stop and think, you know, and I would wonder too, if they actually choose occupations in that realm, like mortician, funeral director, death, midwife or doula or whatever you call them. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. And if they aren't already involved in those vocations or occupations, it's mm-hmm. something that they are deeply interested in. Wow. Intense, but very cool topic. I like it. Yes. All right. You want to wrap us up? I will do so. So read more about the Banshee and fairy queens like Kleena and Rhiannon at otherworldlyoracle.com. Join our high vibing Facebook group to learn more about the fairy realm and visit Alora's website at alorarain.com for numerology, tarot readings, and much more. Grant some of that magical energy to your witchy sisters. Subscribe to and review our podcast. Plus, if you're looking for a podcast on the more controversial witchy side, you should subscribe to our sister podcast, Mamir's Well, on Alora's website. That's a mouthful, Mamir's Well. And, (laughs) And remember, whether you're in the land of the Fae or the land of the ancestors, stay otherworldly.